Welcome back everyone to our gem pursuit. This is our season five and it is treasured tokens, the secret language of jewelry. Elise, what are we going to be talking about today? Today we're covering an Irish favorite, the Clatter Ring. With its origins not being as close to home as you may think, we're also going to talk to you about listeners' stories about this wonderful motif, and of course, how to get your own clouder ring and how to wear it. Looking forward to delving into this one. Let's get straight in and get started. Elise Ketcher. Yes, Matthew Eldon. We're back. We're back again. <laughs> We're back for more. Season five of our Gem Pursuit. Who would have th- thunk it? I think we all knew where this was heading. Well, it was a... Not that it wasn't a tricky one, but we have obviously our, our first series and our gemstones, jewellery through the ages, then next, and then our firm favourites, the last series that we did. I really hope everyone enjoyed them uh, and got something out of them. So we were then thinking, where would we go to next? And it almost hit us by surprise, I think, uh, there was something straight in front of our eyes that we had to talk about. Yeah, I mean, we really wanted to establish a foundation for people to kind of always come back to with each of our seasons. If you're thinking, if you're really, really interested in history or you're interested in how history ties in with jewellery, each of our seasons so far kind of lay a foundation for you to understand how the two connect And of course, as we go through our seasons now, we just want to add to the knowledge that you have and also the meaning and the stories behind jewellery. It was pretty much a no-brainer once we thought about it um, going into this season, what we would talk about, which of course is... Treasured tokens, the secret language of jewellery. And why I love this series is that it's we talked about our gemstones, right? We talked about our, our uh, different time periods. But what you see in fine jewellery, what you, the patterns, the motifs, the symbols, the emblems, none of those ha- happen by accident. And we're going to dive in and talk about all of those in this series. I, I really love that about antique jewellery. And I think that's one of the things that we have lost Um, in our current day and age is the hidden meaning behind certain things or we use certain motifs that we don't actually understand the origins of so you know and they're every and they're everywhere they're all around us exactly they're 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 pieces they're not only part of jewelry but if you look up at certain pieces of architecture when you're walking around they will have specific motifs that you might just think are decorative but they do have an actual meaning behind them which is something that i really enjoy yeah like if jewelry was to do like the da vinci code this would be it (laughs) exactly so throughout this season what we're going to do is we're going to go through some of the very, very noticeable motifs that we see over and over and over again in jewellery, all the way from ancient times right up until now. 
some of them don't have the same meaning anymore and some of them their meaning has been lost over time but we're delving back into into that so that you can actually understand the origins and sometimes the really beautiful sentimental meanings behind these um these motifs and to begin which of these motifs are we going to start with well, since we're from Ireland, well, partially my great-great-grandfather is. Yeah, yeah, I knew I liked <laughs> something about you. <laughs> Matthew definitely is. Um, we're going to actually talk about the Clada motif, which is two hands holding a heart with a crown on, on top of the heart. But we need to go back a little bit further than the small little fishing village of Clada, we need to go back to the ancient times to actually get to the origins of this motif. So let's uh, go. Let's go there. And I'm sure the church bells were ringing then as well. The origin of the Clada ring, Elise, it's obviously an old ring. People know the Clada ring is an old ring, but I think it's relatively uh, modern history in terms of the clattering, but the origins of this particular ring, it goes back a lot earlier, doesn't it? Absolutely. The The clatter motif is actually an evolved motif. So we're going to go back, right back to the origin of where this elements of this particular motif began. Um, and when we talk about motifs, motifs are actually like a symbol or an etched pattern that um, actually have some kind of meaning just so that we understand that to begin with. Um, but the origin starts off actually in the ancient times, ancient Greece and ancient Rome to be specific. And it started off with a motif which is known as the fede or fide motif, which is two clasped hands almost in a handshake which represented at the time the joining of two families through the marriage ceremony. Specifically in ancient Rome, we have a lot of details behind what the marriage ceremony looked like. Um, we also have a lot of uh, carvings. We have a lot of uh, evidence to show that this particular motif was used specifically for the marriage ceremony. What's really interesting, actually, is that this particular motif was usually carved onto either a signet ring that had carnelian or onyx in it, or was just silver or gold or iron. And it was usually originally gifted to the male so a man would give it to another man as kind of like proof of payment for the bride and then by the second century bc the rings started to be given to the actual bride um, by the groom but the symbol itself was the joining of two families the symbol of the two hands joining hasn't changed like still today a wedding your your hands are joined together uh which you know the phrase tying the knot your hands would have been tied with the with the ribbon it's sli slightly different obviously but it's just amazing to me that over so long that that 
moment is still so important in people's life and it's captured in these Fede rings. Uh, a couple of interesting things about the word Fede, because I've, I've loved uh, European languages. I think they're, they're pretty cool and they all come from Latin, obviously, but the, it, it's from an Italian phrase, mane in Fede, which is hands joined in faith. And obviously they just shortened it to Fede. So, you know, it, it means faith, but it comes from the mane in Fede. And as you said, dates back to Roman times. Now, there was a Latin phrase for uh, what that practice was called. I don't know if you want to attempt to say it or, or will I, but... You're always better at pronunciation than myself, Matthew. Uh, probably not in English, but... Um, well, it, 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 that that ceremony, uh, the, that practice was called Dextrarum Ayunctio. So. Fabulous, which loosely translates to the joining of the right hands, which again comes straight back to this symbol of faith, of family, of matrimony, of joining together. And in these times, it was actually a little bit more of a business deal. It was families who were coming together in a way to go, okay, how can we better our situation? Making sure that, you know, the families were on the same level and moving forward in life. So um, not a lot of um, what we would consider romantic love that was connected to the Fede symbol originally. It was a symbol of the joining of, of families and the growing of families, which of course is, was extremely important, but in Roman times as well, the Fede motif or the marriage ceremony itself also was something that we mimic today. If you look, we're not going to really go into all of the ins and outs of the marriage ceremony, but a lot of the things that they do in our marriage ceremony today actually mimic it. For instance, we need to have witnesses who sign when we get married by law. And in Roman times, you also had to have witnesses to say that the marriage happened. It couldn't just be something that, you know, happened out of thin air. It had to be something that was witnessed by others. So again, that's these, all of these kind of symbols, motifs and traditions and rituals are actually things that we do today that we don't actually realize come from ancient times. In our previous section, obviously, we talked about the origin of the clattering and it, and it very importantly, it evolved from these Fede rings. But that journey, so we're talking Fede rings, ancient times, you know, BC, ancient Greece, ancient um, Rome, and then we'll get to the clattering. But there's a bit of a gap there of about 2000 years and it, it evolved, didn't it? So they let's talk it. us through that journey and how we got from these Fede rings, these early, early Fede rings till what we recognize today as the clattering. So the rituals that took place in ancient Rome um, of marriage were kind of evolved themselves. Um, when we get to 300, the early 300 AD, we see the Roman Empire adopts Christianity as their, as their um, religion. So the Fede motif kind of falls out of favor, favor around 300 AD. And then it resurfaces in the Middle Ages. 
particularly in the 12th century when we start to see the feta motif has evolved but is starting to be used again for the marriage ceremony but in the form of a gimel ring. So the feta motif was rudimentary, two hands like on the front of a ring and then the back of the ring is just a plain shank or a plain hoop. So at the front of it, you've got two hands that are shaking. Once we get to the gimel ring, which is for the Latin word um, gemellus, gemellus, gemellus? Gemellus. Okay. <laughs> what Matthew said. Well, I just know that because in Spanish, because um, my brother has is lives in Spain and has two twins. And I know in Spanish they're called gemellus. So So, that is exactly what it translates to. So the gimel ring comes from the word... Gemelus. Sorry, there we go. Yes, Yes, which translates to twin. Oh, yeah, and actually Ross, I produced a Gemini. Obviously the star sign, and that's twins, I believe, Gemini. Exactly. So the gimel ring, and we're talking about twins, that's what what it means. And it's specifically related to twins because it was twin rings. Now, a gimel ring is made up of two or three hoops, which interlock. And originally what happened before the marriage took place is that the gimel, the gimel ring or the, if there was a hand, two different hands, one of them was given to the bride, one of them was given to the groom. Yes. And then on the wedding day, they would be fused together and worn by the bride. So it was a little bit more complex than what happened in um, ancient Roman times. But again, it still reflected what happened in the ancient Roman marriage ceremony. Now, the gimel ring itself, like I said, is made up of two or three hoops, which interlock. There's quite an extensive collection of these particular rings in the V&A and the or the Victorian Albert Museum in London and also the British Museum in London. But they are not all on display. No, I think important to mention there as well, if you look up Gimel Ring on, uh, on the internet, um, you'll see these beautiful examples. But the, the key evolution there that you've got your two hands, your fede hands, uh, as you said, they can be separate rings, but in the third band that sometimes is there, there's actually a heart in between the two of them. So you've got these two hands, but now you can see this this heart coming into it. So you've got this two hands and the heart, and you can see it getting closer to what the clattering is today. But like it's a wonderfully symbolic thing that each hand is free yet must remain together to create the whole, and that's what happened. You know, when the marriage actually happened and they refused to get her. But I, or I was looking up some of the, the really nice old gimel rings and they're quite incredible. Um, not just set with gold. Sometimes they're enameled. Sometimes they're set with stones. Perhaps the heart could have been set with a stone. And then there's engravings. Often gimel rings, you see there's engravings on the inside of the bands. Usually, you know, love tokens are, are statements of that exactly. nature. Uh, one thing that really in the evolution of this motif is important to mention is that as these three rings were connected with your two hands which usually slip in slip into each other behind it is a hidden heart and this is the kind of first time we start to see 
during the marriage ceremony or during the time of betrothal that love was something that was considered an important element of marriage that you know we've got the joining of two hands to begin with but then the heart hidden behind the hands is a really really significant evolution in not only the marriage ceremony but in the motif that's so that's so on the money and you think about the just thinking about the old ones and as you mentioned in our in our first section it was really a business deal just a handshake and that's what the the fede ring was the early ones and then the, there's a small heart in these gibble rings and as you see it evolves the heart gets bigger and it's <laughs> exactly. less of a business deal it's more about love and then obviously today the clatter ring is is uh, has a very large heart in the middle of it but as you said, also the hidden messages also written inside of each of these bands, which again make is going to come up in our collector's tips where we talk about that. But all of these messages have some kind of very significant meaning to the wearers, whether it be religious, which a lot of them have a religious connection. Um, so scripture passages or things like that, or parts of the vows that they take out when they actually are married. But it also represents um, the couple's love, passion and fidelity. So we see it especially in the 16th and 17th century rings where it starts to become a lot more involved in the actual couple who are betrothed to one another. And just so that everybody can visualize this, the gimel ring has those moving parts. So when you put all three rings together or the two rings together, it actually looks like one ring. It's like a puzzle ring. And then you can move those those three parts or two parts apart and you can see each of the separate um, parts. Now, the three rings were also meant to represent the marriage between you, your husband and God. So there was also that element with the three rings as well. So they, there's so much meaning that's like seeped into this motif and it, get, it continues to get gain more momentum and more symbolism and more meaning as we move through the ages because people add what's important to them in, into the motif. So this is where we've seen the heart. This is where we see the three rings, where religion comes into it, but also the symbolism of the marriage and the two people together. And to frame that, the gimel rings, that we're talking time period then is like 16th, 17th Yeah, so we go from, century. The, we go from 12th all the way through to 17th century with the gimel rings. Um, but height of popularity kind of 16th 17th century and then we then something else happens and how they know the time frames of it is that as you mentioned there's an inscription on them and the one in the V&A museum has a, an inscription on it uh, now it, this one actually is English but uh, quite difficult to get your head around but uh, it, it says and the fourth word here I don't know what it says but as hands be shift so surely knit um which means as hand as hands be surely knit together um so and, and they know by the spelling of the word surely which is s-e-w-e-r-l-y 
They know by that spelling of the word surely that it is 16th, 17th century, because obviously the, the evolution of the language. So the other thing I'd say about in the evolution of these fede and gimel rings is that in Ireland, as we'll get to, they evolved into clattering. But in other places, this motif evolved into slightly different things. In Scotland, for example, we actually got one of these uh, the other day, and I had no idea what it was. It's obviously evolved slightly different, but it's, it's, a, it's a brooch that's two hearts with the crown on it. And they call it the uh, looking booth brooch. And obviously it's a different evolution of the same motif. And it's uh, slightly later now, but it's uh, the looking booth, which again, I'm trying to decipher. But if you say it loudly, lock, lock and booth, uh, it was due about the types of stalls that were in Edinburgh at the time where these pieces were sold. So now they call them lock and booth brooches. And if you look at it, it has two hearts and a crown. You can actually see how it just evolved in a slightly different way in a different location. And another interesting one in the evolution of the clattering is there was a Spanish ship called the Girona that was sank off the coast of northern north of Ireland in the late 16th, early 17th century. And in the treasure from that ship, they discovered a fede ring that looks slightly different to the type of fede rings you would have seen in the UK and Ireland about the time. So the motif while it was the origin of it was the Arfeti ring and the Gimel ring, the different locations, it kind of evolved in different ways. And I think that's very cool. I, I love that as well. And the fact that it actually evolves into something that or into a motif that is a staple in Irish culture is extremely interesting when you think of its origins because not of a lot of not a lot of people will actually know that this is the origin of the motif they will think that it was only in Ireland and that's where it came from and that's the end of it but it actually has a really beautiful history and evolution up until this point where we get to the story of how the fede motif came actually into Ireland and it was made their own. And that takes us up to about the year 1700. Okay, so we've got our early Fetty rings and we've got our Gimel rings. Then we get up to the year 1700 and, and the story of how the clattering as we know it, this particular part of the evolution is, is a bit of a roller coaster journey. It um, is, especially because when we're talking about the past, one thing that Matthew always says in store to me is the faintest pen is always better than the clearest or brightest memory. And a lot of this is stories that have been passed down through generations and a bit like Chinese whispers, like what, what can we pick from these stories that have been told when it hasn't been penned by the people who were there what can we actually understand from it? So we do have to take it with a pinch of salt. But there's two particular origin stories of the Clouder motif, which both go back to Galway. And both of them come from the Joyce family. I don't know if they're connected to each other, but one is a Richard Joyce and the other one is a Margaret, Margaret Joyce. Joyce. Yes, and even today, the Joyce family is such a typical Galway name. At that time, obviously, there would have been less people in Galway, so a bigger percentage would have been Joyce's. But even today, there's a lot of Joyce's. So, so yeah, so we're talking about um, the Joyce's of Clada. Now, 
Clada is a town in Galway. It's right on the shore. It's very close to Galway City. Galway is a provincial city in Ireland and Clada would have been a, a kind of a, a town just across the river from the main one. Now it's more or less incorporated into Galway. Um, but Clada is, uh, comes from the Irish word on Claddock, which means uh, the shore. So it was, a, it was a fishing village just beside Galway. But what happened was Richard Joyce was actually kidnapped by Algerian coursers, or basically pirates more or less, um, around the 17th, year 1700 or so. He was eventually sold then to a Moorish, uh, so North African goldsmith. And this, his, is where his, it all this is where it all happens. So he learned his trade as a goldsmith in North Africa with the Moors. And after 14 years, he earned his freedom and he became such a good goldsmith that his master actually offered him half of the business and his daughter's hand in marriage <laughs> to stay and continue to work. And this is where the story gets romanticised a, a little bit because with Richard Joyce, he was travelling on ship as many um, as many of the Irish back then were doing. And he, when he was caught by pirates, he was thinking of his one true love back in, in Galway. And through the 14 years of slavery he was still thinking of his of his home and he gives up this opportunity to return then to his the love of his life the person who he's been thinking of this whole time and it is said that he brings a clada ring back to her yes and then they she's still available wonderful days and then they live she the rest of their, apparently. They, they live the rest of their lives together with him becoming a very uh well-known and celebrated goldsmith in this area and there actually is still pieces that can be found with his initials and his hallmark on it um, specifically things that have this clatter motif on it. This is where it is supposed to have originated from. But I, I think that is the most probable. It is the most yeah. probable. The other the other story that also comes from these parts is that, from Margaret well, Joyce. Well, the, the, I like that. This is a story. That one is a historical account. So. Exactly. And we have proof of that because we have a hallmark. We also have pieces that are tangible pieces that have this motif on it that can be connected to this particular man. The other story is of a Margaret Joyce who was known as the Mar Margaret of Bridges because she built a large number of, of bridges using her own money during her lifetime. Yeah, and why that's so important is that's a very hilly area and there's lots of rivers and there's lots of lakes and streams. So bridges were fundamental to actually um, transport and movement in the west of Ireland. So building bridge mightn't seem like a, you know, a lot, but actually back then it was dynamic to the local economy and the how the people worked and lived out there. So Yeah, so adding a lot of, I guess, pleasure to people's lives, like taking away some hardship by providing something that she that her money could provide that the people couldn't do for themselves. So she, you know, was beloved um, for this kind of great work that she did. 
and she married a, the way that she got her money was actually through a wealthy Spanish merchant who was na- named Domingo de Rona. And when he died, he left all of her money, all of his money to her. So that's why she was like, okay, great. She had immense property. She had lots of money and she used it to, to better um, the lives of the people around her. Um, she then ended up marrying the mayor of Galway in 1596. Because the, the Spanish merchant actually died yeah. quite young. Yeah. yeah. That's a, when he died, she was like, happy Next. days. <laughs> yeah. Happy days, I'm rich. Um, but yes, marries the mayor of Galway in 1596. And then as she's building these bridges, apparently one day while she's reviewing the work, an eagle is said to have flown over her and dropped something into her lap. It was said to be a clatter ring. And that is where the origin of the clatter ring is also said to come from this, I'd say maybe myth. I would say myths. <laughs> um, although birds are known to take shiny objects, you know, it had to be made somewhere, even if that was the case. Uh, and not so sound so far fetched because one of our clients actually discovered a ring on the front mat of their door one day. They walked out of their house and on their doormat there was a ring sitting there. Uh, and they reckon a bird had dropped it there. So we turned it over to the guards. Because that to, or a very strange stalker? Possibly. But, um, <laughs> well, with this ring, it wasn't, I don't think it wasn't much now. So, um, but no, that that is a very interesting one. They were saying because... Uh, you know, Margaret of the Bridges was a great philanthropist and they're saying that was like, you know, the universe's way of thanking her for doing all of this work. Quickly but, as well, before we mm-hmm. move on, because we have to do the mm-hmm. two, the two um, stories. The, the main difference between the Fede, Gimel ring and the Clatter ring. So the Clatter ring is the end of the evolution, kind of, because we'll also go into the Fenian ring. But... This ring has two hands, a heart, which is visible, and a crown, which is visible. So that two hands are holding a a visible heart with a crown on it. Now, this particular motif adds, again, more meaning because we have the crown, which represents... Loyalty. Then the heart that represents... Loyalty. Love, love. (laughs) And then the hands that represent... Friendship. Which is important to remember that the clattering isn't... It is a, a betrothal ring, but it can also be a friendship ring. Exactly. So we, we've added another element to this particular motif. It, it has a crown. It has a heart, which is visible, and hands. And this particular motif for, for the Irish nation has traveled all over the world and become one of the most well-known motifs connected to Ireland of all time. So that's how we got to the clattering that we know today. But there was some famous people today and, sorry, in recent history who would have worn these, the clattering and it would have had a very special meaning to them. And again, what I love about this series is that it almost, it's, I think it's when there's something around you, there's a motif, there's an emblem around you that you see and you take for granted. But then once it's uh, highlighted to you why it's there and what it means, you kind of look at it and go, oh yeah, wow. 
Like that's that's pretty incredible. And that's what I love about this. And I know there's a, a few really, really cool stories about these people who've had the clattering. But who what what story about clatterings have you picked for today, Elise? Well, my specific story is actually going to be about the Fede ring. Oh. <laughs> the Fede motif. So I'm taking one step back to um, kind of talk about how the Fede motif was something that really was associated with love. So um, in the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich in London, there sits a quite unremarkable looking yellow gold Fede ring. Now, as part of the, uh, the collection of what you see in the Maritime Museum there, it's something that you would just walk past and not really take a lot of notice of. But it's pretty, it's a pretty significant and important ring to kind of put into context once you understand what it symbolizes. So um, Trafalgar Square, in the middle of Trafalgar Square, there is a, a statue of a, a general which actually is Horatio, Horatio Nelson. Nelson. Thank you. Horatio Nelson. And he is known for being fundamental in the, the Battle of Trafalgar, leading Britain to victory. Unfortunately, he dies in that battle. But before he goes out to that battle, he was stationed in Naples where he fell in love with Lady Hamilton. Now, Lady Hamilton was married to somebody else and Horatio Nelson was married to someone else as well, um, both in oh, very long-term... Minor, minor detail. Both in very long-term <laughs> marriages. But they considered each other um, soulmates and they also had a child together in 1805, before this great battle took place, Nelson and Lady Hamilton took communi communion together. I'm pretty sure at this particular time he would have realized that he perhaps was going into his last battle because he was known for being aggressive in his battle tactics. And this is why he had such a, a big name for himself. So he went in, had communion with Lady Hamilton, and it was at this time that they exchanged Fede rings to show their love and commitment to each other. And this particular ring he then took with him, he was wearing at Cape Trafalgar when he was shot and killed, and he was then pickled in the whiskey from the from those who were on the boat so that they could bring him back to England as like a war hero when he died. And on his finger was this Fed Air ring. So it was taken Sorry, off no, Just him. hold on. Pickled in whiskey. <laughs> he was, yeah. So they... they That's want to like embalm him sort of, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so in, they actually had it on board as a... They actually had it on board as like, you know, we're going to party once we actually um win so he died battle. and he took everyone's whiskey so he died and because they esteemed him so much because they you know like idolized him so much and they knew that he was a war hero and the reason why they won they sacrificed their party 
and pickled his body and took it back in the whiskey. Yeah, that's the story. So then they removed the ring and the ring is now in the Maritime Museum, but it symbolised this secret love, this soulmate love between two people who were torn apart by the battles of war. And what I love about that story, Lise, is that it's like a a hidden motif and a treasure token that you mightn't realise there was so much attached to it, but to the people who were involved, it was a very significant meaning behind this Fede ring. I think that's a really cool story and with an interesting ending as well. So, um, Pickle, pickle. My, my, my particular story is... Um, well, actually, I have, a, I have a few, but it's just about different places uh, where you'll see the clatterings that you wouldn't expect to see them. And then you see it, you're like, oh, look at that. The first one is Walt Disney. Now, you're probably thinking, Walt Disney, what would he be doing with a clattering? But he actually got them on a trip to Ireland with his partner, Lillian. Um, wife. Wife. Yeah. Yeah. Wife, partner. You know, that's <laughs> fine. She's like, I, I put in the hard work to get that title. Well, <laughs> and unfortunately on this, there's a famous statue of Walt Disney outside Disneyland, but she's not in the statue. It's actually Mickey Mouse and Walt Disney. But on that statue, and I think that's an awesome thing. You look at the attention to detail. He's actually wearing this clattering. He's said to have wore it all the time. And whoever made the statue, there's certain ways you wear your clattering that signify different things. Um, which we'll talk about which in, we'll talk about in, 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 in collector's tips. tips there's a way to wear it but he wore it the way in this statue that means that he was single um, so I don't know whether it was just uh oh yeah maybe it was a, he he either he didn't know how to wear it or he hadn't found his soulmate yet. hadn't found his soulmate or the just the, the sculptor hadn't done it correctly on his hand but uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West have a pair of clatter rings uh-oh, that's gone south. Sarah Michelle Geller in her role as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's a famous clattering in that. I never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I did. Everybody will remember who was a Buffy fanatic when Angel, her love interest, who is a vampire. Oh, my gosh, Romeo and Juliet moment. Mm. Gives a clattering to Buffy on her birthday and explains the meaning behind the clattering. In the 1990s, this like made a resurgent of of clatterings out on the market for people who weren't just Irish, but people who were Buffy the Vampire Slayer buffs, if you will. I'd say, I would say the clatter jewelers, whoever sells clatter, were absolutely ecstatic when that happened. But yeah. But he explained it to Buffy as, and he gave the whole monologue of what it meant, So, um, which is pretty cool. But he said, my people, before I was changed into a vampire, I guess, they exchanged this as a sign of devotion. It's a clattering. The hands represent friendship. The crown represents loyalty. And the heart, well, you know, wear it with the heart pointing towards you. It means you belong to somebody like this. Put it on. Don't belong to anybody. Um, just want to put that out there. But anyway, it has a very, very, very strong connection to Ireland today. And it was originally traditionally something that was gifted from mother to daughter, mother to daughter, specifically in the village of Clada. Mothers would always give their Clada rings to their daughters upon marriage to somebody else. And this is how they passed down through generations. 
And it was then when the potato famine happened in Ireland that a lot of those original clatterings were actually dispersed or melted down so that people could get food and things like that. So a lot of them were destroyed during that time. So those very, very early clatterings are, you know, extremely rare and have such a huge connection to Ireland and sentimental value that cannot be described. So there's there's some famous stories about some famous clatterings, but as you said, it, it it's something that means a lot to the to everyone. And one particular story that we got sent in from our one of our listeners, we put a, an Instagram post up there during the week. Just anyone who had any interesting stories about clatterings or um you know either that they got here or that was just important to them, just if they'd like to share them with us. So we got one from Callum. Uh, which I'd like to share with you, which I, I think is a really good one because it shows it shows like the cyclical nature of jewellery. And just like that, you mentioned there, at least in the potato famine, when, you know, the rings, when a lot of Irish people immigrated and the rings, these gatherings are sent to all four corners of the world. They have a way of finding their way back. Uh, and Callum got a really, really cool clattering. Uh, we actually bought it from someone in America so it had obviously been made in Ireland, had been sold to America, and it came back to Ireland to our shop. And due to the lockdown, Callum and his girlfriend were stuck in different parts of the world. Uh, Callum was here in Ireland, his girlfriend was in, in Canada. And um, he was looking for a treasure token that he could send to his girlfriend. Obviously, as we all know, the pandemic, you know, you couldn't travel for a long period of time. And this was an important motif that he could send to her abroad. And he ended up actually getting this clattering, which was had already made that journey, come back to Ireland and again had made that journey. And I just think that was a, a beautiful story. I think it's so sweet. I mean, and thank you, Callum, for sharing that. With yeah, us. We, we love to hear our listeners stories and we love to put a actual real connection with jewellery and people's personal stories, because this is what brings these motifs to life without the understanding without the story without the history there is no meaning and that's what really adds to this motif the fact that it's connected to your story and we really thank Callum for sharing with us because sometimes these stories are extremely personal and you know you want to keep that meaning to yourself but the fact that he was he shared that with us, we really, really appreciate it. And of course, it just adds to the overall um, the overall meaning to this motif. And just to say as well, we'd love to hear about your stories of jewellery and your special pieces. So if you have any, send them to experts at courtville.ie or send them to our Instagram, which is at Matthew.Weldens. We'd love to hear from you. So collector's tips. Now, collector's tips, very important for clattering because there's a, there is a lot of variations in clatterings out there and it's good to have a couple of things. Uh, I know I have one or two tips I'd love to say, but at least what would you like to say as an export, export, expert in antique jewellery? What do you need to keep in mind when you're looking for clatterings? So... The things that I would look for are going to always be hallmarks. Hallmarking is uh, the way to identify 
where a specific item was made and by whom and at what time. Not all cloud rings will have hallmarks. That's one really important thing to mention. But anything that is from the 1970s onward will have a hallmark. And a lot of the things that were made in the 20th century will also have the hallmarks in it. So, um, and then going back as well, you'll have maker's marks and things like that, like RI, which would be for Richard Joyce, um, the original Galway mark, which would be an anchor, things like that, that you would look for specifically inside the band of a clattering. Also, another thing that I would look for in a clattering is on the inside of the band, sometimes they have little sayings or um, engravings for the couple. Uh, we have one at the moment which has till the seas gang dry um, just behind the heart motif on the inside of the clatter ring, which of course is a really sweet sentiment between the couple who would have um, worn this particular ring. And those can give you some real clues as to age and also as to origin that's, of... Uh, yeah, that's of, a famous poem, that, I think, actually. It is, and it's actually a famous Scottish poem. Um, yeah. So that gives you kind of some indications on maybe the, uh, the bearers of the ring. Maybe there was an Irish and a Scottish person or it might have been a specific poem that was important to the couple. But the spelling, like you've you've stated from um, the V&A Museum, the spelling will also give you indications. Um, the script and the way that it's engraved will also give you indications of age. And of course, the hallmarks, if the hallmarks have date letters in them, will give you exact dates that it was hallmarked and areas where it was hallmarked. And then a few that I want to kind of like a few myths that I want to dispel about clatterings is that if you're Irish, if you're not Irish, you cannot wear one. It's not that's not true, but it, there are a few places that state that online that if you are not Irish, you shouldn't be wearing a clattering. Not at all. Irish um, in spirit and you're good. A lot of Irish people will also gift a clatter ring to their loved one. So you don't have to be um, you don't have to be Irish to wear one. Also, you don't have to have the clatter ring purchased for you. If you want one for yourself, you're more than there's no curse or bad luck to purchase a clatter ring for yourself. You're you can wear those and purchase them yourself as it's, well. It's a good look token, I think, anyways. So. Exactly. So yeah. just two, two things that I wanted to, to dispel, which you see over and over again online, people stating that you have to be Irish, that you have to have somebody purchase it for you. It's it's not the case. Yeah, very important tips. And I think the Hallmark one is very significant for clatterings, especially due to their age and rarity important for all jewelry as well but especially for clattering so thank you for sharing those i would say two very quick tips number one don't be turned off by clattering if it looks if it looks like it's very worn some of these rings are 300 years old very worn could actually be a good thing it could mean it's a, an original old old one could also mean that uh, it is actually just worn so just you know have to judge that one uh, the other one i would say is we had this beautiful clattering a while ago it didn't actually have a crown on it so we were looking at it for a while, we researched it, but if a clattering doesn't have a crown and 
you can see it's never been made with it like it hasn't been like broken off or anything that is a typical what they call fenian cladding now again this motif does date back to pre-cladding times but the majority of those will be cladderings that are made from the 1850s to the 1890s during the fenian movement where there was in a lot of insurgency against british rule in ireland and it was they didn't like the symbolism of the crown so obviously they removed the crown from the cladding and it was just the heart and the hands uh, and again it was like a secret symbol that people would know you were part of the fenian movement the fenian movement comes from the word nefina which is an an in antiquity was a group of soldiers in ireland called nefina uh, who was led by Fionn McCool, and obviously then Fenian derives from the word, from that group of soldiers called Nefina. And the last thing I'd say is how to wear your clattering. This is a very important one. So how would you be wearing your clattering, Matthew? Well, I'd be having it in the counter for sale, actually. So, <laughs> so um, that's how. Um, oh, smooth operator over there. Yeah, um, but uh, there's four ways. So There's four ways, says well, there's, Matthew. Well, there's lots of ways, I suppose. But the four typical ways, if you wear it on your right hand with the point of the heart going out, it means you're... Towards the fingertip. Out towards the fingertip, yeah. It means you're free single and ready to mingle. Um, if you have the, at least give me, throwing me filthies there, but um, if you have the point on your right hand pointing towards your knuckle, so in towards your hand, that or means towards your heart. In towards your heart, that means you're in a relationship. If it's on your left hand with the point of the heart pointing towards the tip of your finger, that means you're engaged. And if it's on your left hand with the point of the heart pointing in, that means you are married there you go it wouldn't be an episode of gem pursuit if we didn't have our gem trivia pursuit elisa's dusted herself down from the defeat of last season but Yawn. this particular one it's gonna vary it a bit so we're gonna have uh, a bit quiz however this is how it works the questions are i wear a clattering who am i you get three clues. If you guess it right after one clue, you get three points. After two clues, you get two points. After three clues, you get one point. But you only get one guess. So if you go for it after one clue and you get it wrong, that's tough. You're out. So with that in mind, let's begin. You're going down. Oh, what's this? What's this? Oh, oh I think I have your number. All right. Okay. At least first. All right, Matthew. For three points, Matthew, I uh, have a clattering. Who am I? My father was best friends with OJ Simpson. Kim Kardashian. Yes. Yes. Kim Kardashian, according to media reports, when Kim Kardashian and Kanye West had part of their honeymoon in Ireland... Kanye picked up an Irish clattering along the way to give to Kim as a keepsake of their time here. And just like their marriage, Matthew, you're going down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm on the way up now at the moment. So let's go. Next question. That's it. That's you got it. Three points. Ah, woo. Yeah. Top score. Okay. Okay. Miss Ketcher then for you. 
I wear a cladder ring. Who am I? For three big ones. I was the highest paid actress in the world for most of the 1990s and the first half of the 2000s. Jennifer Aniston. Now, sorry, just before we go on, you have one chance. If you if you want to guess it after this question, I'm not saying if that's right or wrong. You only have one chance. So if you get it wrong, you get no points. So if you're not sure, you should go for a second question. I think I was discreet there. Okay. So do you want to stick, stick with your guess or do you want to go for a second clue? Fine, I'll go for a second clue. Second clue. For two points. People Magazine has named me the most beautiful woman in the world a record five times. You can't say yourself. Julia Roberts. Yes! Two points. And I just got to give you an information. The third, po- the third point would have been I won an, Acam- an Acad- Academy Award. <laughs> For best actress for my performance in Aaron Brockovich in 2000. The answer was, of course, Julia Roberts. Daniel Day-Lewis gave her one. Yeah, she had a brief romance with Daniel Day-Lewis. It's debatable whether this ever happened, but either way, she was spotted wearing a clattering back in 1995 when the alleged romance was purported to have happened. We are going to wrap it up there, folks. I really hope you enjoyed our first episode of Gem Pursuit Season 5. If you're listening to us right now and you're enjoying it, make sure you follow or subscribe to us. If you're on Apple Podcasts, go onto the screen. You'll see the subscribe button. Make sure to subscribe. If it's Spotify, it's follow. That way you'll get an automatic download of the episode every week. So make sure you do that right now and get that one sorted. And then to finish, I just want to say... Again, I'm delighted to be joining you all again for season five of Gem Pursuit. As always, I'm here with my trusty co-host, Elise Ketcher. Elise, thank you for today. Really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it too. I did immensely. Thanks, Matthew. And great to have our podcast producer extraordinaire, Ross Hannon, back on board. Thank you, Ross. And most of all, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, as I mentioned, anyone, if you have any of your beautiful jewelry stories, make sure to share them with us either on experts or courtville.ie or on Instagram. We'll be joining you back next week when we'll be talking about another famous hidden motif that talks about the secret language of jewelry. See you next time. <laughs>